Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Magnuson Ford. It's hard to beat a Magnuson Ford deal in Abbotsford and online at magnusonford.ca. Well, I think, you know, maybe frustration. Like we, you know, we, we tried hard to you know, um, give our players an opportunity to, to to go to a winning team and have playoff success and, you know, be a part of a Stanley Cup team. So, you know, and then the other part is from an organizational standpoint, you know, it would have been nice to, to recover some picks for them. Because you had a bad not a good day. It was not a good day for Canucks management. I'm not sure how you spin it any other way. You can still believe in this regime and you can still believe in the plan. I don't know how you turn this into a good day. If you're Dan Hamhuis, I know how you do. Because you're happy you're staying in this city, you're happy your family doesn't have to move, and that was, as he mentioned, his first choice all along. So for Dan Hamhuis, yes, this is a good day. But for Canucks management, it's not. It's a bad day. It's a tough day because they had assets they could have dealt or at least wanted to deal. You'll hear from Jim Benning here in just a couple minutes' time because Jim Benning will tell you they couldn't get a deal done. Wanted to, couldn't. Now, depending on where you view this from, and I'm getting a pretty good sense as to where most of you view this from, you believe more needed to be done that the necessary steps weren't taken. Whether or not you believe in this regime or not, most of you are frustrated, is the word Jim Benning used, and you are in agreement with him on that point as to the lack of activity that went down with regards to the Vancouver Canucks today. Dan Hamhuis stays, Radom Verbata stays. The only guy who moves brings no return. He's Adam Cracknell. And I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. I feel bad for him because I had hoped for Adam Cracknell that if he was going somewhere on waivers, that he was going somewhere where a team wanted to fortify its depth on its bottom six, specifically its fourth line. That's what I had hoped for Adam Cracknell because Adam Cracknell is a guy who outperformed anything anyone thought he was going to be here in Vancouver this year, and he got to do it in his home province. And he had thoughts of going to Europe, but he wanted to exhaust every last opportunity he had to stay in the National Hockey League last summer, and he finally got one with the Vancouver Canucks, and what most of us viewed as an AHL opportunity turned into an NHL opportunity for Adam Cracknell, and he over-delivered on that. He was a long shot to make this roster. Not only did he do that, he provided more than he was supposed to on this roster. I hope the last quarter of the season in Edmonton works out for him where he can earn his way into a future contract with, I don't know if it's the Oilers, but some other club and get himself another NHL deal because the way he's played this year, guy deserves that. The guy deserves that. He deserves something like that to happen to him. Doesn't get to go to a contender furthest thing from. Gets to go to a lottery contender. The Edmonton Oilers are and Canucks fans know that feeling all too well. Of course, The hot-button issue of the day, the lack that the button was not pushed on a Dan Hamhuis deal. Jim Benning, he says that they exhausted their opportunities. I'm not sure most of you believe him or agree with him, but here's what Jim Benning had to say today at the podium. Well, it wasn't from a lack of trying. We... um... The market this year, you know, with there wasn't a lot of buyers in the marketplace, and the teams that were buying weren't really paying, you know, a lot to get those players. So, um, like we we tried hard to, you know, figure out what the teams that were buying, you know, to figure something out. But at the end of the day, um, teams went in a different direction. It seemed that Chicago. Eh? Um, Dallas showed significant interest. When you look at what uh, Chris Russell fetched from Dallas, was a similar deal available to you for Dan? Well, with with Chicago, we had talked to them. We really didn't get to a framework of what a deal would look like. Um, We were, 
talking to Dallas, and it was kind of a parallel deal that they decided in the end to go a different direction, and they made the deal with Calgary. It was a buyer's market, but at the same time, do you not think that fans will be upset that getting something is better than, than getting nothing with these two players? Yeah, and that's that's a fair question. But we, like, if we could have got draft picks, or we could have, you know, like I, I come from a draft background, and I value picks, and that's how we're going to rebuild this thing is through getting draft picks and drafting well and developing our players. So, if we could have recouped draft picks, we would have done that, and we would have been on our way. Did, did uh, Dallas make a late offer? Well, they, they um, like I said, we were in with Dallas and they decided to go in a different direction. Um, they kind of circled back with us at the end, um, but it, it, it was a deal that really didn't make sense to us. So the deal with Calgary, would it have made sense for you uh, to give up uh, Camus? Yeah, it would have. And that's, you know, we were talking to them about, um, you, know, you know, that similar type deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, they chose the Calgary player over our players. So um, that's the deal they chose. Jim, you inherited a roster with a lot of no-trade co- contracts. How difficult is it to maneuver any of those, maybe not even just on trade deadline day, but leading up to the deadline? How tight are your hands for that? Well, it's, it's hard because, you know, players play a long time. They earn the right to, to get those contracts. And, you know, and we, we try to be respectful to them, um, but we're trying to do what's best for the organization. So, you know, we, tr- Trevor helped out a lot. We, we had good communication with the players through the week, and we tried to let them and their agents know every step of the way what we were trying to do. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where in this particular year, there wasn't a lot of buyers, and the prices, it seemed like right from the start, um, it was going to be real hard to get what we thought was was value for the, the players that we had up for trade. So in the end, Dallas chose Russell over Hammonds. I would think that that would be fair, fair to, a fair comment to make, yes. Did James uh, ask about Verbata who weren't on his list? Um, no, I think, you know, what happened is we asked Radham for a list, um, he, 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 he gave us a fair list. Like he could have given us teams that we didn't have no chance to trade him to, but he gave us a fair list. We talked to all the teams on the list. Um, you know, for whatever reason, a couple of the teams went in a different direction, and you know, the other teams weren't uh, buying players at the deadline. And while most fans have not been complimentary of the way the Canucks conducted their business today, Jim Benning was extremely complimentary of both Radom Verbata and Dan Hamhuis and the way they conducted themselves in this process. And Jim Benning thought Hamhuis handled himself excellently. He didn't ever complain, and he certainly hasn't publicly about the fact that Hamhuis greenlighted two opportunities. You heard in the Dan Hamhuis scrum that there were Eastern possibilities. Pittsburgh Penguins wanted in. The Boston Bruins wanted in, and they were told when they called that Dan Hamuse would not waive, that those were not teams that he and his family would be willing to pick up and move for. So even though there were two teams, Jim Benning never complained about that, thought Hamuse handled himself fine, said Radon Verbata gave his club a fair list. He said he gave us eight teams, and he could have picked teams that we had no chance to deal with. He said that there were certainly three or four teams that were, were fair and that they thought they might have been able to do something with, ultimately not able to get something done. Now, you heard Farhan Lalji ask as to whether or not there was a similar deal on the table for Dan Hamhus as the one that Calgary and Dallas ended up consummating. And if you didn't see that or you've somehow forgotten what that is, Here is the deal that Calgary got done with Chris Russell winding up in Dallas. Yerky Yokopaka, the defenseman, heads back to Calgary. Forward playing for the Edmonton Oil Kings, Brett Pollock, prospect, heads back to Calgary. And a conditional second-round pick in the upcoming draft. And that second-round pick could be a first-round pick if Dallas makes the conference final. Now, you look at the bracket and the way that shakes down, that would mean beating Chicago most likely to get out of there. 
and make it to the Final Four in the National Hockey League. So it's not as though that's a fait accompli. But it's a second that could be upgraded to the first. So Farhan Lalji was asking, look, was there a similar deal on the table from Dallas, one that Jim Benning referred to as a parallel deal? He said we had something that was you would call a parallel deal, but ultimately they went with the Calgary deal. They went with Chris Russell instead of Dan Hamhuis. That's the player they preferred. Now, since that time, there has been plenty of speculation as to why. At face value, it was just Dallas decided they wanted Russell more than they wanted Dan Hamhuis. Now, Farhan Lalji tweeted something out later that read like this. And Farhan was on our show a little bit earlier. And if you missed that interview, it'll be up for your consumption with the podcast a little bit later on. Farhan tweeted, after the Russell tra- trade, Stars went back to Van and offered a higher pick than what they gave to Calgary and a prospect. It's believed Van didn't return call. But that's not the parallel deal that's in question here. The parallel deal that's in question has to do with whether or not the Canucks had a deal with Dallas on the table that didn't get acted on. Jason Botchford was on with the Moj just a half an hour before this trade deadline recap show began, and here's what Botch had to say about that speculation. Well, this is the way it was presented to me, that uh, Dallas did originally like Chris Russell more because they thought they could get Russell cheaper. The Flames were asking for too much. They got off Russell. Calgary actually thought their deal was dead. They got on to Hamhuis, and they negotiated a deal that was pretty similar to the one that they ended up giving to Russell. And Dallas did think that they had a deal with the Canucks, the, uh, and the Canucks came back and asked for more. And that, when, once that happened... Dallas said, screw you, we're moving on. And they went and made basically, you know, I mean, basically flipping the bird to the Canucks because they gave almost the identical deal that they had negotiated with them to uh, to the Flames. Now, my understanding was that uh, it was the owners that wanted to get more. I, I wrote about it on Sunday that they were reluctant to trade with Dallas, and if it was going to be Dallas, they wanted to pay a premium. And, um, um, you know, they, they weren't going to nix a deal. You know, if it was the best offer out there, they were going to kill it. But by asking for more, it kind of killed it. I think the Canucks are going to really uh, um, deny this one. My understanding is what they're saying is that the deal, they were still negotiating. Their, from their point of view, they were still negotiating the deal. And, um, but I, my, what I heard is that they did take that deal to the Aquilini. So, I mean, I don't think you take it to the owners unless, unless you got the front, unless it's done, right? Now that's the, he said, she said of all of this, that scuttlebutt coming out of quote unquote sources near the Dallas stars suggest, look, there was a deal in their estimation, that the Canucks had, that the Canucks were prepared to move forward with, but then all of a sudden, the Canucks asked for the ante to be upped a little bit in that deal. And as Botch said, the way he heard the story, and again, this is speculation, but the way he heard the story is that the deal was presented to ownership. And when the Canucks went back to do the deal, they were asking for a little bit more, and Dallas said, no, we're going to look at Chris Russell. Not happening that that's why the deal was off. Now, Jim Benning was on our afternoon show today, and Moj had heard something similar, not exactly the same way that Botch had heard it, but quite similar to the way Botch had heard it. Moj had the opportunity to ask Jim Benning directly about this. Here is that quick question and answer. Jim, uh, I have been told... That the stars, yourself and Jim Nill, uh, had agreed upon a deal for Dan Hamhuis, and then it was exonate on the Canucks side. Can you confirm or deny that? That's that's not true. That's I don't know. You know, that's one thing is we never get let you know facts get in the way of a good story, and that that is not true. Like uh, uh, we had communication with Jim. Um, you know, we were working on a framework of a deal. Um, and, you know, when he made the deal with Calgary, he called us up and he just said, I just want to give you the heads up that, you know, we've made uh, this deal for with another team. And so, um, but that's not true. 
So the Canucks are sticking by the story that they were negotiating something, but the Dallas Stars decided they were going to make a similar deal for a different player because that was the player they preferred in the deal. And if that is in fact the case, and there were rumors of this over the last few days, Matt Sakaris for one was pointing this out on the weekend. I had seen others in the Hockey Insider world suggesting that the Dallas Stars were more interested in Chris Russell than Dan Hughes. You wonder if that's because Chris Russell is, yes, younger, but maybe more open to the possibility of re-signing there as well. I'm not sure. Maybe this was about asset value as opposed to the best player available because you will have a tough time convincing me in the here and now that Chris Russell is a better player than Dan Hamhuis right now. Chris Russell outperformed Dan Hamhuis in last year's playoffs. I think you can make that argument, but that was a year ago. Is that the same performance you're you're getting this year? Dallas is banking on it. They're hoping so. Dan Hamhuis, since he's come back from injury, has been excellent. He has had a better season of late than Chris Russell has. But it doesn't matter because Chris Russell is now property of the Dallas Stars. Dan Hamhuis is not. Now, back to the Farhan tweet where he said, late in the proceedings, and this is independent of what Moj was asking Jim Benning about, late in the proceedings, the Stars circle back. Now, the way Farhan tweeted this out originally is that it was a decent offer for Dan Hamhuis at the 11th hour, and the Canucks said no. The Canucks also hotly contest this. Trevor Linden insisting to Farhan that the Stars came back with an offer that was much lower and that he chose to walk away. And Linden also insisted, and Farhan used the word angry. He said Linden was angry at the suggestion that he did not have full authority to deal with Dallas, that it was ownership involved. In fact, in Farhan's tweet, says he had full authority from ownership to deal with Dallas. That was directly from Trevor Linden. Now, you can choose to go down whichever road you want in all of that. Bottom line is Dan Hamus remains in Vancouver. Chris Russell is in Dallas. Ray Ferraro on our afternoon show with the lack of trade here at the deadline for the Vancouver Canucks shocked actually i was going to say more than very surprised but not shocked but i I was shocked that they they weren't able to get anything done and um in particular because of their position in the standings um and with their unrestricted free agents you know i we just finished up our our trade show and i said on the air you know i'm not sitting in that chair you know i'm sitting in my analyst chair here but um when you get right down close to three o'clock and and you're talking to a couple teams that apparently is all the that Jim Benning had to talk to. Getting something is better than nothing in this case. It, like it doesn't even you, you can say almost any scenario to me, and I would say take it because it's better than what they have, which is a player who is all but guaranteed you he wants to come back in Dan Hamhuis, and you don't get any asset for him. So now you either let him go for free on July 1st or you sign him. Well, you could have signed him anyway, but you don't have any any growth of assets that was sitting there. And maybe there was no market for Verbata. I mean, looking around the league, there wasn't very many players that, that went, and Verbata's play has been so disinterested over the past couple of months. Maybe they just Maybe there just wasn't anything there, but again, anything is better than nothing. How do you explain it, Ray? Do you do you think it's as as simple as Benning overplaying his hand? Well, I think there's a there's probably a comp- combination of things. BMAC is that so you can only trade him to the teams that he says he'll go to. Um, you know, he was waffling on this. I'm going to waive the no trade. I'm not going to waive the no trade. He wasn't going to blanket no waive it. He was going to give you specific teams. Um, that that you could talk to now my understanding was the only ones he really clearly said were chicago and and dallas so that really ties the hands of um of benning but eric stall said he's only going to the rangers and they got a couple of second round picks for him um if that's the only team you can deal with well then that's the team you deal with and you do the best you can with it um that would be number one number two is you're certainly holding out as long as you can um 
to get the best possible return. But, you know, Dallas went, went to Russell first. And so whatever the, the assets were that they were um, willing to give up for Chris Russell, now they weren't going to give up a similar package to, for Dan Hamhuis. So in, a, in, a, in essence, if, if those indeed were the two teams, um, you, you might get frozen out because I would suspect that the Chicago deal, if there was ever any chat about it, would somewhat include Brian Bickle's money. And, and I mean, I, can, I, can't, I don't even, can't even come up with a reason why anyone would want to take that cash. How would this part of a deal. how would this impact the perception of of Benning from his brethren around the league? Would 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 twenty nine other GMs be pretty shocked that that Dan Hamus is still here? Uh, I don't know if all of them would be, but I I bet you a good portion would be surprised that they just didn't pick up an asset and and just for the very reason that I'm talking about. I I don't think this is a you know a, an earth shattering idea that I have here. It's just that you've got, and I, and I'm sure the other general managers around the league are looking at players around that are unrestricted free agents and wondering why some of them didn't move. But at the very top of the list, you would have thought there would have been a market of some kind for Ham Hughes. And, and I know there's some people that are going to be bitter at Ham Hughes for not giving him more teams to work with. And I know we argued about it on the panel, but when you negotiate a contract, you negotiate the salary. And you negotiate the clauses in it. It's a negotiated part of the contract. They don't come back to you asking you to give them back money. They don't come back to you and say, hey, we're going to give you more money. But now they can come back to you and ask you to pull a clause off the table that you negotiated and you're expected to do it. Well, he's under no obligation to do it. I mean, I I know that, you know, I can only speak for my own headspace. I would have gone to a team if I thought they were a pretty good team. I would have, knowing that I wanted to come back and maybe having a discussion where you knew that avenue was open, I would want to do that. But he didn't want to do it. He gave, you know, by all accounts, or by our accounts, by what our insiders had, that it was just a couple of teams that he could talk to. That's Ray Ferraro. His analysis of what the Canucks were unable to do today, completely agree with him on the Ham Hughes front. I don't know where you work, but let's say, for example, you work at a company that. When you went to negotiate your last contract, your working conditions, they told you they were going to give you a, I don't know, BMW. We can't give you more money, but we're going to give you a BMW to drive. And then partway through your contract, they said to you, we can't do the BMW anymore. I mean, you're entitled to it technically, but we can't really do it. We need you to move into another car. Are you okay with that? You'd probably say, well, I really like the BMW. My preference would be to stay in the BMW. That's why I negotiated for. But if you're going to move me out of it, I want that car or that one. I'm not just going to take any car. I'm just not taking four wheels because part of the reason you told me you couldn't give me more money is that you were going to give me a BMW. So completely agree with Ray Ferraro. Completely agree with him on Dan Hamus's role in all of this. He would have been within his rights to say no. And there are other guys who've said no, and most of the time you don't hear about it. Most of the time you don't hear about the guys who say, I won't wave, because most general managers don't go put that out in the open. They just leave it and say, no, we like having this player on our roster. We think he's part of what we're building here. Lots of different sound pouring in. We'll get more from you before this hour is done. But next, we're going to head to that other place that Dan Hamuse had said he would be willing to go. We spent a lot of time on Dallas, and understandably so, with some of the stories and rumors and rumblings that have come out of Big D. But we'll head to Chicago next. Talk to Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune. Find out if they thought Dan Hamuse was bound for the Windy City and talk about some of the acquisitions Chicago made here in the last few days as well. That's next on TSN 1040. I'm Detective Tribeca, LAPD. Rashida Jones is Angie Tribeca, and she's coming to comedy. What's going on, Lieutenant? Something stinks. Sorry, it's this damn cabbage diet. She's a no-nonsense cop. We're going undercover. Even deeper. We're going undercover. Who plays by her own rule. Take the rest of the day off. I want your badge and your gun. Don't you have your own badge and gun? I want yours. From Steve and Nancy Carell, Angie Tribeca, hitting the streets tomorrow at 1030, only on comedy. You go get them, Angie Tribeca. Experiencing frequent heartburn? Call in the big guns. OMEP. Relieve frequent 
heartburn. Ask your pharmacist for OMEM. This product may not be right for you. Always read product label and use only as directed. The Langley Event Center is proud to host the 2016 BC Secondary School Girls Basketball Championships presented by TELUS. This Wednesday to Saturday, the junior, double-A, and triple-A girls teams will all be hitting the hard court looking to win a provincial title. This is one of the largest amateur sporting events in Canada, so get out and cheer them on. That's this Wednesday to Saturday at the Langley Events Center. For more details, visit bchighschoolbasketballchampionships.com. If you need to ship freight hassle-free, you need Sphere1Logistics.com. As a global logistics company, Sphere1 offers all modes of transport and will customize and implement a realistic shipping solution that will make your life easy and save you money. Their primary goal is to help clients become more competitive through reducing their transportation expenditures. In fact, recently, Sphere1 saved the client 45% on their shipping costs. Get results with Sphere1 Logistics, your one-stop global logistics solution. Learn more at Sphere1Logistics.com. This Saturday, it's a once-in-a-lifetime grudge match. Live from Las Vegas, as UFC featherweight champion Conor McGregor moves up two divisions to take on fellow instigator Nate Diaz. Plus, women's bantamweight champion Holly Holm defends her world title against former Strikeforce champ Misha Tate. It's on at UFC 196 this Saturday at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Only on pay-per-view. Card subject to change. Mark Saltzman's Tech Talk, brought to you by Microsoft Azure. Avoid costly downtime. Find out how to safeguard your data and apps in the cloud. Visit microsoftsavesyoumoney.ca. Consumers and new technology. Things are changing so quickly, it makes you wonder what we can expect in the next few years. Well, Deloitte Canada has done a lot of research on tech trends, and we asked Duncan Stewart, Director of Research for Deloitte Canada, what to look for in 2016. We call it mobile touch commerce. Everybody likes shopping for stuff on their smartphone and their tablet and their computer, but when it comes to online purchase, we almost never buy on our smartphones. It's just too hard entering name, address, 16 digits of credit card, and so forth. What we see coming in 2016 is a growing number of applications, both from our smartphone providers or our credit card companies, that allow us with one or two taps of the phone to fill in those forms automatically. For more on what's trending, go to tmtpredictions.ca. Hi, I'm Randy Hanatko from Train West Management and Consulting. Networking is a continuous process which must become an integral part of your prospecting activity. Yet one of the most common mistakes I continually see people make is to try and sell someone at networking events. Networking involves making contacts in situations that do not present any obvious expectation of business. If you abide by our rules of networking, you'll be able to network in social and business settings effectively without getting a reputation as a vulture who never stops looking for business. For years, we've been providing ongoing sales and management coaching and training, helping professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales and profits, call us at Train West Management and Consulting at 604-291-1272. To find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call us at Train West Management and Consulting at 604-291-1272. That's 291-1272. You're listening to Scott Rintoul on TSN 1040. Now, would Dan Hamuse have had this song on repeat on the iPod or the iPhone on his way to Chicago had that deal been consummated? I'm going to have to get used to this. I'm going to have to get used to this. I might as well start now. I'm going to have to smile every time I hear Chelsea Dagger because it means we've scored a goal at home and I'm a part of the Blackhawks now. I've got to get on board with this. And it might mean that I wind up with a Stanley Cup ring this year. So let's play us some Chelsea Dagger, shall we? Would he have done that? I'm not so sure. Scott Rintoul with you on TSN 1040. Thanks for joining us this evening. Dan Ham used a lot of the talk here in Vancouver today. The fact that he's still in Vancouver today. As you know, there were two potential landing spots for Dan Ham used Two teams that had inquired that Dan Ham used had said, yep, if it's there, I'll go. 
We've spent a lot of time on Dallas, but how about Chicago? And we head out to the Windy City now to hook up with Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune. Covers the Blackhawks, of course, in the Windy City. Chris, thank you very much for doing this. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, the odds-on favorite in the Western Conference for most people to repeat as Western Conference champs and potentially Stanley Cups champs. But everybody in Vancouver wants to know how this Dan Hughes situation didn't go down today. So from your understanding, what was the Blackhawks' involvement with Dan Hughes? Well, from what I understand, the Blackhawks waited until uh, basically near the deadline and made a phone call. And I'm not sure what the terms were, but they wanted Dan Hughes, And it looked like, you know, the Blackhawks are up against the salary cap and they've made some other moves, which I'm sure you've talked about. So there had to be some other assets going there, whether it was a Brian Bickle possibly, a player the Blackhawks have been trying to move. He's down in the AHL after having, I guess, a dreadful season. They can't unload that contract to his. It's $4 million a year, got another year on it. So maybe he was involved. We're not quite sure the term, but the Blackhawks at some point realized that they've really bolted their forward position, but they might be a little bit thin along the blue line when you're talking about a second or you know or third pairing. So I think that's kind of where they wanted to go. And I think that Stan Bowman, general manager, made that call late. And I think there was some discussion there, and I understand Hanhus was uh, willing to come to Chicago with no trade. That would have been interesting because the Blackhawks, really, if they're lacking one thing right now, might be a little depth along that blue line. That would have been a huge addition for them. There was always speculation to make the salary work that it might be a bad contract coming back in a Hanhus deal. Any idea what other assets the Hawks might have been willing to send to Vancouver? Well, it probably would have to be a prospect, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, the Blackhawks are talking about their depth, uh, you know, in the AHL and what they've done drafting-wise. But, uh, yeah, there definitely probably would have been a bad contract coming back. You know, it, it really it, – it, right now I'm really not sure of the names there. But I do know that uh, the Hawks, uh, Billy Polka, a guy, a young defenseman, a lot of teams they're looking into, he might have been a guy coming back. But the Blackhawks, in order to get what they need with the seller cap, are going to have to really take on another bad contract or, or pay uh, part of the uh, contract going back with a Bickel or someone like that. So Stan Bowman has a lot of – things working he's got a lot of things working around the salary cap and he must have figured out a way that he could have done it it's just unfortunate they couldn't come to terms now let's walk back in time a few days here because dan hamhew said today in his press conference that chicago was the first team that he gave the green light to and that was in the middle of last week there were stories circulating out here that potentially the hawks would have been interested at that time hamhews and radham verbata in bringing two players in, of course, this was before the Andrew Ladd deal. Had any rumors like that circulated in Chicago? Yeah, we heard that. There was a lot of names coming back uh, from a lot of teams, but uh, it was interesting. Verbata was definitely a guy that Blackhawks were interested in. I think Andrew Ladd was their number one choice. He's, of course, won the Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks in 2010. He's a, really a perfect fit on that top line with Jonathan Taves and Marion Holtzman also comes back from injury. So I think that if they hadn't gotten Ladd, they might have gone to Verbata, and you would have it would have been a bigger deal with Ambus. Um, but I, I really think Ladd was the key there. A lot of teams were after him, but I do know that Stan Bowman was targeting him because should fit in pretty effortlessly, which is what you want for the Blackhawks right now. You don't want to have to go through a, a period of adjustment there where it might last in the playoffs. They know that Andrew Ladd can come in and be integral right away. He can fit in, in that dressing room. He's a leader in that room when he was in there in 2010. He can do it again. I, I really think that once they got that number one target, they start looking elsewhere. Do you think the Canucks had a chance to make the deal prior to Andrew Ladd being acquired, or was that always the apple of Stan Bowman's eye? In my opinion, that's what Stan Bowman wanted to do. I think he really wanted Andrew Ladd. He talked to uh, Kevin Chevrolet off the GM of the Jets a while back and said, hey, if Ladd is going to be available, talk to us before you do anything. So I think that he got his number one target, which is what Stan Bowman does. He doesn't wait till a trade deadline. He goes after what he wants. He gave up a lot of assets, a lot of young players. Um, to, to get the guys that he wanted. Some Blackhawks fans are saying they're going all in because they want to win the Stanley Cup now. The window's closing a little bit. They've got that core group of still pretty young players, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and you know, Duncan Keith. And, um, but, you know, Mary Hose is getting up in age, and you've got Brent Seabrook in there. So I think that they really want to go after what they can now and win it and really kind of retool for next season. So I think Ladd was that number one guy that they wanted, and I really think that's kind of derailed any kind of Vancouver Canucks trade early on. I think they're waiting to see what the Hawks can get. And once they got Ladd, they started start a different process. Talking Blackhawks hockey with Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune this evening on TSN 1040. Let's talk about Andrew Ladd. We all know he won his second career Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks. Has him coming back to this lineup, coming back into that dressing room, been like riding a bike? Absolutely. Um, he's a guy who's very popular with his teammates. Um, you know, he's a, he's a sports writer's dream, a great quote, you know, always there when you need him. 
he's a guy who can, as I said, kind of come in effortlessly and make a very seamless transition, which is something very important when you're talking about Blackhawks and the chemistry that they've developed winning those three Stanley Cups in six seasons. You don't want to bring in a guy who's going to take, you know, upset the apple cart there. They know what they had in Andrew Ladd. They know he's a character guy. They know he's going to go in the corners and he's going to, he's going to bang bodies for pucks. He's, he's going to come out of there with the puck. He's going to have a great relationship with Jonathan Taves. He knows most of those guys in the room. He knows the coaching staff. He was really the perfect fit for the Hawks, and I think he paid pretty dearly for him. But, again, this is an opportunity for Stan Bowman to go get the guy that he wanted to really, you know, number one on his list. I mean, a lot of teams wanted Andrew Ladd. Might have even offered a lot more. But I think Ladd wanted to come back to Chicago. Stan Bowman wanted him in Chicago, and they made the deal work. Hawks added some other interesting pieces as well, and a couple of them have Vancouver Canucks connections. Let's start with Dale Weiss up front. What role do you see him playing on this team? Well, I think he's going to play next to Tavo Teravainen, who they've decided is going to be a center. And they wanted a guy, a bigger body, who can uh, have a little physicality, can store skill, sorry, still score some goals. I think Dale Weiss does that. Uh, he started out very strong this year, tailed off a little bit, but I think he's a guy who can complement Tavo Teravainen. And then Fleischman could be on the other wing. They've got the chemistry that uh, Weiss and Fleischman they played together earlier this season. So I think that that line can be really effective, and that's really what the Blackhawks needed. You know, the Kings line has been solid all season long. And then Jonathan Taze's line kind of moving on, uh, moving a little bit slowly as far as scoring. But now you've got a third line that's very solid. And when Marcus Kruger comes back from an injury, now you can move Andrew Shaw, who was playing up on the top line. Uh, you can move him to the fourth line. You've got that line back um, that they had last year when they won the cup in the fourth line of Andrew Dujardins, Marcus Kruger, and Andrew Shaw. Very effective fourth line, a line that can score a little bit. Definitely can bring some physicality and some energy. So it really balances all four lines. That's something that Joel Quinville covets. You talk about the success Weiss has had scoring this year, 14 goals prior to the trade. He comes in. How much did that also have to do with what he's done in the playoffs before? He's not a guy who scored a ton of goals, but he's scored some clutch goals. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at who the Blackhawks acquired, they acquired guys who have been there before who have done really well in the playoffs. So that's very important to them. Uh, You know, the Blackhawks... They go through the entire regular season, obviously playing at their top level they can, but they kind of kick it up another level. We've seen that happen, and they want players who can follow along who have been in the situation. So, yeah, Dale Weiss is a guy who's done it in the playoffs, so that's a guy you can rely on. You don't want to have to worry about is this guy going to disappear in the playoffs. He's done it before. Fleischman's been there before. Airhoff's even been there before. These are guys they brought in who can win and who can really uh, step up their games in the playoffs, something the Blackhawks are very adept at. Well, I'm glad you brought up Christian Erhoff because I was about to. I think that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser for a lot of people, not only because it was the Kings and Blackhawks dealing with each other, yeah. but because Christian Erhoff was off the radar for a lot of people. What was the rationale behind that decision? Well, the Blackhawks had Rob Scuderi, who they brought in um, earlier this season, and he really wasn't a fit here. He's a, you know, he's a, a guy who tries hard, but he's really at the tail end of his career. Not a good fit for the Blackhawks system, which is to bring the puck out with speed, uh, carry it through the neutral zone, and you know, carry it over the blue line in the, in the opposing zone if possible. Erhoff's more of a puck mover than Scuderi. So I think, yeah, very odd for the Kings and Blackhawks, who a lot of people figure are going to meet in the Western Conference Finals or somewhere down that line, and they're really going to go at it to really make a deal here. But I think both teams knew that you've got an asset here who don't, doesn't quite fit with the roster, so let's go ahead and make that trade. Scuderi can, has been in L.A. before. He can provide some stability there. Erhoff, if you can start moving the puck a little bit, maybe recapture some of the lost youth there, he can fit in for the Blackhawks. He doesn't need to come in and be a top pairing. He doesn't need to be the second pairing. But if he can come in and, and kind of fit into that third pairing, occasionally move up, I think he's going to be a, a nice addition for the Hawks. Do you see someone he is best paired with? Because it didn't work out as well as they'd hoped in Pittsburgh or Los Angeles for that matter, but obviously the Blackhawks think he can do more. Yeah, it's tough to tell who Joe Quinn was going to put him with right now. Um, he, could be play, he could play with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, uh, a young player who's really been uh, a surprise to the Blackhawks, and they're expecting a lot out of him. So that'd be a nice pairing there. Uh, one guy's more of a stay-at-home Van Riemsdyk, and they're to move the puck a little bit. You know, Joe Quinn was not afraid to change pairings and lines. You've seen that before. Uh, so it would be interesting to see where Airhoff slots in. Maybe he plays with Nicholas Jarmelson. Um, maybe he gets a, a chance with Brent Seabrook. We'll see where he fits in. See little, little, some chemistry. They've got to practice tomorrow. Uh, we should know a little bit more then if they kind of expect him to play. But this is a guy that's trying to capture something here. And if it doesn't work out, you still got some assets there. You're not too panicky about not having a strong blue line. But if he does come to play and he, and he finds his footing right away, then you've really got this blue line that's going, and you know you're going to score some goals. You know Corey Crawford's going to be very solid in that. 
that's a very formidable team right there if they get that third kind of defensive pairing going. Well, the other thing we know is that we're watching the Chicago Blackhawks deep into the spring and perhaps even into the summer as well. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time. There's a lot of people in this city that had hoped we would be speaking this evening about a deal that got done. Unfortunately for Canucks fans, that didn't happen. Thanks again for your time and best of luck and, and have some fun covering the Hawks. I will. Thanks for having me, and uh, hi to everybody in Vancouver, one of my favorite cities. Um, it's too bad we're not going to see a playoff series there, but maybe down the line we will again. Oh, it could be a few years, Chris. It could be a few years. Thank you very much for your time, and what an enjoyable team to watch, and the strong and the rich get stronger and richer, don't they, with what the Blackhawks have added here in the last few days. I know many wanted to see Dan Hamuse as a part of that, and Dan Hamuse, I'm sure, thought about what it was going to be like playing in Chicago. He mentioned Antoine Vermette a number of times leading up to all of this. He had his designs on being a Chicago Blackhawk if he was going to be moved. He's made it very clear this is the place he wanted to be first and foremost, but he thought about it. A lot of Canucks fans thought about it as well. Some nice moves by Chicago in the last few days. Talked about most of them there with Chris Cook. Is there anybody who'd bet against them right now in the Western Conference? I mean, you can speculate that L.A. will get it together for a great run like they have in the past. You can say Anaheim with the way they've been playing lately and the way they've loaded up. They could take a run. At, was there anyone who'd bet against Chicago right now in the West with that playoff pedigree, bringing Andrew Ladd back into the fold? I don't think so. I don't think many people would bet against them. All right, one last opportunity for you. Your last opportunity to get in on the phone boards. If you haven't had that chance... You can take it next. 280-1040-1844-TSN-1040. You want to send us a message electronically, you can do that as well. At Scott Rintoul on Twitter, live at tsn1040.ca. We'll wrap up our trade deadline recap show next on the TSN Radio Network. This is Lisa Laflamme. News is coming at us all day long. It's a little tougher to find the unvarnished truth, but that's our job. Real life has this way of constantly delivering, and so do we. See you tonight at 11 on CTV National News. Imagine going to a comedy show, and when you get there, you have to pay extra for the jokes. Not so funny, right? Ford advertises the models with the stuff most people want included. Take the 2016 Escape SE. It comes with four-wheel drive, sync three, and 17-inch alloy wheels. Lease it at 0.99% APR financing for 60 months with $14.95 down, which means you pay $145 every two weeks. When you can get great value on an Escape, it's easy to get into a Ford. Shop now at findyourford.ca. We're joined by Dr. Pollock and Dr. Chang from Pollock Clinics, discussing a new treatment they're offering. It's really quite simple. Some men experience pain during sex due to a tight band of skin called the frenulum. Yeah, and by performing a frenulectomy done in minutes under local anesthetic, we can end the pain once and for all. See if a frenulectomy can help you. Visit PollockClinics.com to learn more. Pollock Clinics, home of vasectomies, circumcision for all ages, and now the frenulectomy. PollockClinics.com. Imagine the best of TV for everyone, everywhere. Now, dream of one place where it all comes together. It's here. Crave TV, featuring HBO hits like The Sopranos, Sex and the City, Entourage, The Wire, and so much more. Stream on. Crave TV is now available to everybody. All you need to get it is the internet. Sign up to start your one-month trial. Breaking news. Phoenix Industrial is putting hardworking construction professionals back to work. Ironworker positions to fill immediately. If you or someone you know is an ironworker that is ready to work, apply to careers at phoenixindustrial.ca. Positions are filling up fast, so email careers at phoenixindustrial.ca now. If you need to ship freight hassle-free, you need SphereOneLogistics.com. As a global logistics company, Sphere One offers all modes of transport and will customize and implement a realistic shipping solution that will make your life easy and save you money. Their primary goal is to help clients become more competitive through reducing their transportation expenditures. In fact, recently, Sphere One saved a client 45% on their shipping costs. Get results with Sphere One Logistics, your one-stop global logistics solution. Learn more at SphereOneLogistics.com. How Bell makes faster, better. Right now, millions of Canadians are relying on Bell, the fastest mobile network as ranked by PC Mag, which lets them be the first to buy tickets to the latest Teen Sensations concert on their phone. The first to upload that amazing game-winning shot. 
And with access to Canada's largest LTE network, they can do it from to visit a Bell store for details. Bell, network speed just got better. Now, here's the Community Sports Bulletin. On TSN 1040. On April 2nd, join hundreds of participants at the Richmond Olympic Oval for the workout to conquer cancer. It'll be a full day of indoor group fitness sessions led by top fitness professionals. This fun event is being held in support of life-saving research at the BC Cancer Agency. Full details at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Gear up for the Vancouver Sun Run presented by Blue Shore Financial on Sunday, April 17th. Canada's largest 10K road race is fun for all levels and all ages. For more info or to register, visit VancouverSunRun.com. And the BMO Vancouver Marathon happens May 1st, and there's something for everyone. Sign up for the full marathon, marathon relay, half marathon, 8K, and kids fun run. Registration is now open at BMOVanMarathon.ca. Got a non-profit amateur sporting event that you want to promote? Let us know. Visit TSN1040.ca today. This is TSN 1040 Vancouver, and you're listening to Scott Rintoul. Last chance to get in. 280-1040-1844-TSN-1040. The fire in the belly of the Canuck fan has died down a little bit over the course of the day. It's been burning pretty brightly for most of the PM portion. Of Monday, February 29th. Maybe it's just the leap year thing. Maybe, no, I think it's the lack of movement thing myself. A few more minutes to get in on our poll question as well at tsn1040.ca. We are asking you who had the worst trade deadline. Is it Brooks Like, Patrick Maroon, or the Canucks? This is an overwhelming Vancouver Canucks vote we've got going on here tonight. We do have a number of emails that I haven't had a chance to address, so I'll get to a couple of them right now. Maybe I should get to this one first because all caps in the title, and it has an exclamation point. Like, urgent. And it's my name. Scott! With an exclamation point. This is from Garth in Revelstoke. Garth, thanks for the submission. Number one. Why is everyone saying we didn't get something for verbatim? No one offered anything. Well, I think the reason people are saying that, Garth, is that there's an asset at the beginning of the year that there was an expectation you would get a return on, and the Canucks did not. And I think the real debate with Verbata is, did the Canucks or Verbata himself just devalue devalue himself? Should they have gotten in on that earlier? I think it's disappointing to Canucks fans when they see the likes of Teddy Purcell getting traded. Or Lee Stempniak, who has overperformed based on the fact that he was a PTO guy at the start of the year. He certainly has overperformed. But they, when they see players like that getting a return, they think, well, somebody's going to want Radon Verbata. Apparently nobody wanted him enough. Number two, says Garth, if you had a chance to get a younger defenseman for 2.6 versus $4.5 million cap hit, what's your choice? Well, if I'm just renting a player, I want the better defenseman. Younger, older, I just want the better guy. If I can fit either guy under my cap, I just want the better guy. Now, if Dallas thinks Chris Russell's the better guy, that's their prerogative. That's who they can select. But I don't think this was a money decision. And I don't think it was an age decision, except where it factors in to your third point here. Garth, why give up assets to get an older, slower guy? I debate slower. Older, no question. Who liked the Vermette trade when he went back to his original team and signed? So Dallas would have nothing. Now, I do wonder if that was something in the negotiation that Dallas looked at, that Dan Ham Hughes had been very public and open and honest with the fact that he would like to come back and re-sign in Vancouver. He referenced Antoine Vermette numerous times. I do wonder if that hurt the acquisition because if you're giving assets away, you would like to retain your asset, re-sign it. I wonder if that hurt or factored in the minds of the Dallas Stars whatsoever. Only Jim Nill and company. No, thank you very much for the email. Garth, this one is labeled... Ham use a ham. Last year when Kessler said he would only go to two teams, he was deemed a heel and a jerk. Ham use does the same. He's a good guy. I'm just going to stop that right there for a second. Two things. One, Ryan Kessler picked one team. It started at two, but then it very quickly became one. It was Anaheim or bust for Ryan Kessler. And Ryan Kessler came back and said, I want out after months of saying 
no, no, I'm committed. This is where I want to be. I haven't asked to be out. That's why that went the direction it did with this fan base. Because Ryan Kessler went and said, I want to be moved. I want to be moved here. Let's make this happen. Dan Hamus was the other way around. Teams wanted to acquire him. This management team would like to have dealt him for assets. So he was asked. And he did give one more team than Ryan Kessler ultimately did. So that's why that went that way. The second part of this email, and the truth, the Aquilinis would never allow a trade in which in which it would help Gallardi win a cup. Well, there's plenty of people who have been talking about that throughout the course of the day. Thank you very much for the email. And for those of you who submitted emails that we weren't able to get to, we appreciate it. So where does this leave the Vancouver Canucks? Well, it leaves them in pretty much the same situation they've been in for the last couple of months. Stuck in the muck. And as some of you have pointed out on Twitter, and some of you have followed up on email as well, part of the problem you have with what happened today is that keeping Dan Hamhuis and potentially Radon Verbata, if he finds his scoring touch again here in the last six weeks of the season, part of your problem with both of those retentions is that it has the ability to help the Canucks win more games than had they moved on from said players and given less proven guys an opportunity that that would have actually benefited them in a couple of ways. Not only upped their asset pile here in the short term, but it also would have helped them for the draft lottery and the ability to fall further down the standings as they take a look at June's draft, knowing that they are going to be outside of the playoff picture and that the best scenario is to have a higher draft pick in this upcoming draft. It leaves them right there. They've got a tough march Not only is the schedule pretty brutal in terms of the number of games they will play, February was the lax month. February was the month where they got to step back, have breathing room in between games, and also the quality of competition, not as high in the month of February as it is going to be in March and the rest of the way down the stretch. So that may factor into the opposite of what I just outlined with the Canucks achieving better results by potentially keeping... Hamhus verbata in the lineup on a regular basis and getting positive returns from both of those players. And they're right back at it tomorrow. I am very interested to see what the fan reaction at the arena is tomorrow night. I don't think there will be any jeering or booing of Dan Hamhus whatsoever, but I'm interested to see if this is still a pretty PO'd fan base at Rogers Arena tomorrow night and if anything is vocalized to that degree when the Canucks line up against the New York Islanders. And then the other one I am interested to hear reports back on, Friday, the town hall the Canucks have for their season ticket holders. I've already seen some people online saying, oh, I'm making sure I go to that and let it be known that I'm not happy with what happened today. We thank you very much for continuing to tune in for our special trade deadline recap coverage here throughout the course of the day. Canucks, as mentioned, back on the ice tomorrow night. First day of March features John Tavares and the New York Islanders in town to take on the Vancouver Canucks. You'll hear me tomorrow night during the game and after the game on our New Amsterdam Vodka postgame show. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good night. Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com.